This is the business of architecture. If you're paralyzed by a voice in your head, it's the standing still that should be scaring you instead. Go on and do it anyway. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Welcome to the Business of Architecture podcast, helping architects conquer the world. And here's your host, Enoch Sears. Have you ever wished you could delegate some of the tasks that keep you so busy as a small practitioner? Maybe you've wished that you could find someone you could pull in part-time while times are busy. Today's guest is Livingstone Mukasa, CEO and founder of Archability.com, the only online marketplace exclusively devoted to connecting those who want architectural and design services with those who offer them, like us. Livingstone studied architecture at Rensselaer, New York Institute of Technology, and later with Harvard's Graduate School of Design. In this interview, we discuss how Livingstone used lessons that he learned early in his career when he was laid off from one of his first jobs to launch what is Archability.com, the only online marketplace for architectural and design services. Without further ado, here's our guest. Well, I just I want to welcome everyone out today. Welcome to Business of Architecture. Today I have the honor and pleasure of having Livingstone Mukasa with us today. He's the founder of Archability.com, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So without further ado, welcome, Mukasa. Thank you. Livingston. Thank you, Enoch. Uh, pleasure, pleasure being here. You know, I wanted to start out just asking if you could give everyone a little bit about your background. You have a very, very interesting background from school and then working for some traditional architecture firms and then pivoting and going into real estate development. Could you talk a little bit about, about your early history and then we'll jump into archability? Sure. Um, my professional background um, began in, in, in architecture went to New York Institute of Technology. Um, I had always wanted to, to be an architect from uh, the, uh, my earliest recollection. This is mostly because of family um, influences. I, I had an uncle who was in the profession. I had uh, a number of cousins who also went into design. Um, and uh, I, I was always artistic, uh, enjoyed being creative. So architecture always seemed to be the, the best fit uh, for me. Um, the other thing I have to throw in is nobody really warned me <laughs> um, also, so um, I, I went in with, with guns uh, blazing. Oh, no one warned you. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, got my architecture degree, and um, it took a while to find um, conventional employment, um, finally landed uh, my first uh, job, um, it was with a, a firm in uh, Albany, New York. Uh, very excited uh, by it. Um, stayed with them for a while um, until I was shown the door, uh, so to speak. I uh, was laid off, uh, and it was my first taste of um, you know, what people go through in, in this profession. I, I'm certainly not the only one um, who has been uh, laid off from an architectural firm, but back then, oh, you too. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've, I've had it happen. So, but, but back then, this being my, my very first job, 
um, it was a huge blow. Um, it, 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 it really, really crushed uh, my, uh, my spirits, my ego. Uh, um, you know, I, I thought I'd done everything right, and now all of a sudden I'm being told that I'm not required. Um, and you know, being walked out like, well, felt like a criminal almost. Um, mm-hmm. So that first um, experience um, with being out of work, with being a professional that is out of work, um, planted a seed in me. Um, I I had these skills that I could offer people, um, but back then didn't really have a way to to market them um, and to make them available to people who, who needed them. And and that's a seed that uh, would come uh, in handy uh, years later. Uh, moved on, uh, worked with um, other firms along the way. Um, the more involved I became in architectural uh, production, um, and the industry, the more interested I, I became in the, in the larger picture in, in land use and in, in real estate development and urban design. So while working, I started to pursue these interests on my own um, with additional certifications, um, co- conference attendance, um, networking, um, and I stumbled across an opportunity to be part of a team to uh, do um, an adaptive reuse uh, project um, in in Los Angeles. Um, It was a a condo conversion. Um, And being able to be a part of of that um, was very exciting to me. I I was given a chance to be involved in the conception, creation, and and delivery of a project rather than just being a service provider. In, in the lifespan of, of a project. So I jumped onto that bandwagon very quickly, quit my job, um, and found myself, uh, you know, waist deep in uh, real estate development. Um, so that's more or less how the pivot uh, happened. And I rode that wave uh, for, as long as I, for as long as I could. Well, thanks, Livingstone. And there, there came a point when you decided to launch ArchAbility. ArchAbility, yes. ArchAbility. And could you describe how that came about? And go ahead and jump into ArchAbility. Tell us, tell us what it is. Um, the point at which I decided to create ArchAbility was when I found myself increasingly in need of projects um, to to sustain myself. I was now on my own. I had been smitten by the entrepreneurial bug, and um, I needed to find avenues of of finding clients, um, finding work. Um, At the same time, uh, previously I had been in the position um, of being able to outsource work to people. Uh, Some of my own projects were larger than my ability to deliver them. Um, So I needed to find people to partner with, uh, find people to hand off certain tasks to. Um, So I was part of of this dual need, and I couldn't find a single source out there online that brought those two needs together. And that's when the light bulb went off. 
and um, because I couldn't find that specific portal, I decided to try my best at creating it. And, okay, great. Uh, it, it, it was a, a three-year journey um, from when the idea, um, well, when the decision was made to take up this, uh, this task um, to the point of launching. Sure. So it was a three-year three -year process. Does that measure the time up until the launch, or what does that three years include? That measures the time up until the, the launch. So uh, from inception of idea where you said you woke up and said, I'm going to do this thing, Three years, and then you hit the launch. Correct. And tell me, and what is the launch? Tell me what the launch was. The launch was at a conference in Santa Clara, California, um, a uh, conference that's organized by Demo, um, which is a biannual uh, conference for 70 entrepreneurs to launch their products. There's a, an invitation process that uh, you go through. Uh, an invitation application, and once selected, um, you are given six minutes on stage in front of uh, angel investors, the media, um, other tech enthusiasts, and uh, you're filmed and uh, given an opportunity to describe your product, um, introduce it to the world, um, show it off, uh, and uh, get feedback. Uh, it's a three-day conference during which you also have a booth um, where you can physically show your product to anybody who's who's interested. Okay, so let me just rephrase for our viewers to make sure that well, I understood this correctly. So at the demo conference, which is held in Santa Clara, Silicon Valley, California, sure. you're able to go there, and if you have an idea, you pitch that idea to investors. Correct. And... It's a it's it's basically you're raising capital for your business. At that at that point, not exactly raising capital. You're more of pitching who you are and how you're relevant. Um, now, the search for capital comes in much later on when you meet uh, face to face with some of these uh, investors or venture capitalists if they're interested in um, in, in your product. Okay. So going into demo, there's no, there's no guarantee that investors will look at funding you, or is there some sort of guarantee that you'll, you'll get in front of a certain amount of people in terms of investors? Well, there's, there's a guarantee that you'll be in front of a certain amount of people, mostly um, tech enthusiasts, tech industry people, um, entrepreneurs like yourself, and investors. Whether that will amount to you leaving the conference with a deal, um, is entirely up to you and whoever you happen to engage with face-to-face -face after your demo. Um, now, there was also a competition during that process where the viewers had to select a viewer favorite from all the demonstrations, and that person was awarded a million dollars. Unfortunately, it, it wasn't me. Um, oh. But, uh, but that, that, that's fine. So, and these connections, does, I'm trying to get at the benefits of a conference like Demo. Do they facilitate these introductions, or do you personally need to show up to a mixer and just start meeting people? How easy do they make it to access these investors and entrepreneurs and tech enthusiasts? It's quite easy. Enthusiasts? Um, there are receptions during those three days. Um, you also have uh, a, a booth um, 
that everybody comes to, all people registered for this conference can go and physically test out each product, talk to the people behind it, um, and get more familiar with it. Uh, there are also tons of journalists um, who peruse the aisles and you know are looking for something to, to write about. Uh, so while it's hard to look at somebody and know that you know this is a, an investor, um, the opportunities are there. You just have to drive uh, some of the traffic to yourself um, using you know, creative means. Um, or uh, do a lot of networking, introduce yourself to people, and hopefully find a match. Okay. And so if one of our viewers has an idea that they think would be well-suited for a conference like Demo, could you give them a rough estimate of how much capital it requires both to enter the competition, maybe travel, and maybe just just with that, how much does it cost to, to go to something like Demo and do this? It's approximately $10,000. Um eight of which is to register for the conference. Um, the, the video feed that they, materials that they give you, the prepping that they give you, you know, unfortunately you have to pay for. Um, and uh, the balance um, then is an approximation of travel, accommodation, uh, costs uh, as, as well. Okay, and how fully developed would you say a product needs to be to pitch at this kind of event? Well, um, I, I would say 80, a uh, minimum of 80 percent. Um, Do you need to have a working model or can it be a slide deck? No, you, you physically need a, a working model. You, you cannot um, show a slide deck or a PowerPoint presentation. You, you physically have to demo the actual product. And because you have a booth um, that's connected to the internet, um, whoever stops um, at, at your at your booth would like to uh, w should be able to test it out for themselves um, so there, there are certain things that if you're not absolutely prepared for you could stray them away from um, you know any details of, of your product that might only be intimately um, uh, aware that you're intimately aware of um, but otherwise, you do need around 85% uh, completion. Okay. So just going back into history a little bit, from what you said before, you had a time period where I think you said it was three or four years where you were doing real estate consulting and pairing up with developers, and you found a need to outsource work. Say, for instance, a rendering or um, a graphical plan showing some developmental ideas. Uh, that's something that I think we can all understand is a lot of those things are time intensive and sometimes we may have the skills to do it but we don't have the time to do it or sometimes we may not even have the skills to do it Correct. so it sounds like archability is an answer to your own problem that you had it certainly was it, uh, I, I found myself on, on both sides of, uh, of that fence and um, so there's first hand experience with both, uh, with both needs okay so can you go ahead and give me the pitch, I guess, and modify it as you want, but pitch us on, pitch us on archability. Tell us, tell us what it is, tell us why we should use it, and how it's going to help the architectural profession. Um, well, archability... Or, or designers in general, sorry, go on. Okay. Archability, um, very briefly, is an online portal that connects 
people who need architectural or design services to people who have a need for those services. So essentially we're, we're a matchmaker. Um, people who have the need would post their projects. Uh, it's 100% free. And once those projects are live, they're visible to hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, skilled personnel uh, locally, regionally, globally, who, if they're interested, uh, can contact this person, get a little more detail on those needs, um, and then post a uh, proposal. Um, it's not a proposal based on price necessarily. It could be uh, based on their experience. Uh, it could be based on what they think is the best solution for the client. Um, the client then reviews all the proposals and you know they're able to filter them as, as well. Um, once they're comfortable with somebody, uh, with somebody's proposal, um, be it based on price, be it based on their portfolio, be it based on their interview interaction, they can award that project uh, to the individual. The work is conducted um, and delivered online through milestones that can be set up on the website. Um, payment schedules can be set up uh, on, on the website as well. And uh, once the client is satisfied with the deliverables, they release the funds to uh, the contractor. So Wonderful. for the clients, for the consumers, um, it's a place where they can find talent that uh, they were not that, that wasn't accessible to them previously. Um, and it's, it's a global talent base, so you know they, they really get their pick of um, you know the varying uh, uh, resources out there. And uh, for contractors, um, the market comes to them. Um, it, it lessens the time and effort you have to spend being out there marketing yourself, advertising yourself. Um, you just go to a website. The projects are targeted for you. Um, you take your pick of what you want and uh, hopefully build that into a relationship that uh, will generate more work. Ken, what safeguards do you have? Have you implemented in Archability, for instance, for a client to know and feel comfortable with the fact that the person they're hiring is reliable, is not going to scam them? What kind of safeguards are built into your platform? Well, um, there, there are a few. Um, one big concern is how do I know this individual claim this individual who claims to have, say, an architecture degree from you know X Y Z university? How do I know that they have that? How do I know they're licensed to practice in such and such a state? Um, how do I know they have this certification that they claim to have? Um, one of the things we offer is a verification uh, process where, for fee, um, contractors send us the supporting documentation of the credentials that uh, they claim to have, and using third-party verifications, um, we check out those uh, credentials, and um, if everything lines up, uh, they get a little verified uh, symbol. Uh, next to uh, their next to that credential, so that gives a lot of uh, confidence um, to the person looking at that profile. Um, 
and it allows them to feel a little more secure with dealing with that uh, with that person. Um, the other um, area um, that helps is an escrow system for payments. Um, if a project has a, an agreed budget of, say, $500, um, the client can use project milestones and divide up those payments. Um, each payment isn't sent directly to the contractor. All payments are then, all payments are put into an escrow account for that project. That escrow account is controlled by the client. So as work is delivered, according to the milestones that are set up, the, the client releases the funds from the escrow um, uh, fund directly to the, uh, directly to the contractor. So it enables the client to pay when they're okay and uh, when they're confident that they've received what they have, um, that they've received what they were asking for. Uh, sure. And it also gives the contractor the confidence of knowing that the funds for their project are indeed there. Okay. And what safeguards the contractor from not getting stiffed by the client? Well, because... All funds for any given project first go into an escrow account. That lets the contractor know that the funds have been taken from the client and are now being safely held pending delivery of the work. Once the work is delivered and the client approves that work, the client releases the funds. Should the client not release those funds, and that's where we come in. Um, because those funds have been safeguarded already, um, the client cannot withdraw them without ample or good reason. Um, so as a, as a third party, um, we will review all the contract documents that were set up by the client and the contractor. And um, if we cannot get both to, to agree, then uh, the judgment will be asked Okay, so that that would be the that's a formal dispute resolution process where Arcability gets involved. Correct. Okay, very well. Now, what I was wondering, what kind of products are you seeing so far on Arcability? Well, we still in terms of scope, are we seeing smaller, maybe graphical stuff? Are we seeing large buildings, custom homes? Uh, well, we're still we're still relatively new, um, so we haven't had as much project traction as, as uh, we hope to build. But so far, it, it's a bit of both. Um, the work that tends to come quicker are the smaller scope types of projects, a rendering here or a CAD drawing uh, there. Um, but you know, just yesterday, uh, actually this afternoon, a project was posted uh, and somebody wanted a, a residential house built along passive house standards. Um, the description was a little vague, uh, and, and hopefully the person will elaborate a little more as they interact with whoever's interested in that project. Um, so it looks like um, we're beginning to see projects a little larger in, in scope and uh, a little more detailed. Okay. Now, what, what would you say to architects and designers that are interested, design professionals, be it interior designers or renders, that want to get involved in archability, but they're worried that the competition will be so great they'll be beat down on price. I mean, what would you say to that person? Um, it's not entirely based on price. 
Um, now, unfortunately, the average consumer might not be aware of that, um, but the average architect does have the opportunity to talk, um, to engage with this consumer um, and, and sell themselves. Um, they have a portfolio. Um, they could make their profile as polished as, as possible. Um, and ultimately, what makes somebody comfortable in handing you their work isn't always your price. It, it, it's how, how they think of you, um, how uh, you communicate with them, the comfort level that's, that's created. Pretty much like any service you buy elsewhere, we, we all patronize certain brands for, for certain reasons. Um, and it's not always because they're the cheapest out there. So whereas people are looking for a good deal, um, the decision at the end of the day uh, really comes into how well you build a relationship with, with this person. Um, yes, competition is, is stiff, uh, particularly when, you, when compared to you know, other markets where cost of living is you know, a little cheaper. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean certain clients won't, won't want certain types of professionals. You may have somebody who is very specific about who they want to hire. They may want somebody who is licensed in California, for example. Or they may want um, somebody who's able to, to actually physically visit uh, the project. Um, so you know, there might be some geographic uh, filtering there that they, that they request. Um, so ultimately, Contractors shouldn't feel that they're out of luck um, necessarily because this is being crowdsourced to to the globe. Okay. Uh, Great. If they have a specialty in something, chances are somebody would want to use that specialty. Great. So I definitely see I, I see clearly the benefit for contractors. In other words, design professionals or designers that want to go on there and be able to uh, create an income stream. But I'm also seeing a benefit for especially sole practitioners or smaller firms. You know, a lot of people that visit Business of Architecture are sole practitioners, have smaller firms, and they have to wear so many hats that outsourcing could possibly help them out to get a rein on their schedule and focus on doing what they love. So could you give an example of a couple of projects that a sole practitioner or small firm owner could easily outsource on ArcAbility? What are some examples of things that, that they could do with that? Um, there, there are a few. Um, for example, uh, technology has has changed this this profession um, significantly, and in just in the past few years, and, and it's continuing to, to do that. And um, you know, the, the market is demanding more and more use of uh, new technology. So, a small practitioner might not be able to have the time or, or the resources to invest in some of the, the software out there or some of um, the add-ons that might make a rendering more flashy um, or or might not even have the, te- the technology in-house to do an animation, um, for example. And there are people out there that specialize in this um, exclusively and can do it um, much quicker than a sole practitioner and much more cost-effectively. So those are 
projects that a small practitioner can very easily find talent for, um, and uh, Archability can help them in, in that process. So would, would it be reasonable to, could it be possible to establish an ongoing relationship? Say a sole practitioner found someone who was, um, who they could hand off red lines to and have sort of an ongoing relationship with that person. Is that something that... Absolutely, absolutely. Crowds to, to hire for the long term. Um, it's not always, you know, one-off projects that, that end and both parties go their own separate ways. Once relationships are built, um, people often want to return to the same individual based on, on trust or, or based on just the comfort and uh, the pleasure of, of dealing with that person. Um, so, yes, you can find somebody to work with and build a relationship with them that enables you to consistently go back to this individual for your needs. Great. What would you say to, um, let's focus on a little bit of what the critics might say looking at Archability. I know we had sort of discussed this before. You know, a lot of designers, when they hear crowdsourcing, they fear that it's going to be downward pressure on wages and that you're stealing jobs and, and that kind of line of thinking. What's, what's your response to that, that argument? Well, um, change is always something that uh, a lot of people will find difficult to adapt uh, to. Um, and crowdsourcing isn't necessarily, with regards to these types of services, Crowdsourcing isn't reinventing the wheel. Um, it, it's not bringing on a totally new um, way of, of doing business. It's it's really supplementary to the current delivery methods. Um, so the fear of it, um, I, I think, is usually for people who are not as intimately familiar uh, with it. Um, ultimately. It's leveling the playing field to, to, to a certain degree. Um, and whatever benefits crowdsourcing brings to a certain professional, those benefits are accessible to all professionals. So if person, you know, we'll call him person X, is sitting in um, his firm in Manhattan somewhere, um, he could still gain from crowdsourcing just as much as somebody sitting in, in Delhi, India. Um, it's the ability to be able to reach a wide range of people, to build relationships that would have otherwise been inaccessible, um, and also to engage the much wider platform. Um, we are approaching the era where things like resumes are being made obsolete by one's digital presence. And we as a profession need to adapt to some of these changes. Um, more and more clients are now looking for an architect's digital presence. They want to see a website. They want to see a blog. They want to see the work that you've done online. Um, so you have to be able to utilize your online presence in a manner that allows you to get the greatest reach and crowdsourcing allows you to do that. You have a profile that is permanently there, um, accessible to just about anybody that you could use to engage, to um, become an influencer um, 
with how you interact with whoever comes across that uh, profile. And it's just an additional avenue for you to, to reach out to the world with who you are and what you do. Okay. So what would you say for a freelancer that's going to join Archability, what can that person do to boost their profile to the top or to get the most, get the best profile they can and have the best job of, of procuring some work? What, what tips could you give to our listeners? Well, um, take the profile very seriously. Um, some people sign on and are you know, very quick in setting it up, um, not too much thought behind it, not too descriptive with some of their skills and the services they, they provide. Um, one piece of advice would be to uh, be very descriptive. Um, this is a case where less is not more. Um, <laughs> a diverse uh, 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 portfolio, um, taking the potential consumer, or, or sorry, the potential client through various types of work that you're able to deliver, and not just work that has been completed, but also work that you're in the process of doing. Uh, sometimes it's important for people to know what you're working on now, um, whether or not you actually finish it. Um, how you write to uh, makes a big difference. Um, the people who are real sticklers for the grammar um, and uh, for the ability to communicate effectively. So if you set your profile up in a manner that tells the story, a good story, of why you're here and why and what you expect to get out of this product and what you're able to produce um, and what you're what someone is able to gain from what you're producing, then that will tend to attract um, a good number of people. Are people currently making money off on your site, freelancers, Livingstone? I know that you're ramping up. What's the what's the current throughput of your of your service right now? Well, um, we've only been live for less less than a year, and um, being a growing service, we haven't gotten type of traction that uh, we, we hope to build. So there's been a, there've been a few projects posted. The average budget tends to be under $1,000. It tends to be between three and $500, 10% um, of which Archability keeps as its commission um, to, uh, as, as a service fee, uh, more or less. And uh, you know, the contractors keep 90%. Uh, so the average project so far has earned the contractor roughly anywhere between you know 250 to uh, a little under five hundred dollars. Excellent, excellent. And how much of a how many visits sort of how many visits are you getting from from clients right now? What kind of what tra kind of traffic are you seeing on Archability? Well. Um, it's still growing, um, but right now we generally get between 150 to 200 uh, visits a day, um, which is still relatively on, on the very low end, um, and that's uh, there are multiple reasons for that. Um, we're still bootstrapped right now, so marketing um, is not as effective as it could be. Uh, because this is a, a vertical industry, a very highly targeted industry, uh, we're not getting the rush of crowds uh, that uh, other websites uh, tend to get. Most people who come to Archability are, are coming for a specific purpose. 
Um, but the turnover rates have been fairly good. Um, we have just a little under 900 total registrants right now, um, with a with just a little under 3,000 total visits uh, post-launch. So almost a third of everybody who has been to the website has registered, which is fairly good. Excellent. Well, I see this is great. I mean, I see a lot of potential here for uh, to benefit architects in terms of them outsourcing things and also help architects find some some income as a, as a lead generation source. And so really looking forward to seeing ArcAbility grow and encourage everyone to spread the word about what you're doing and get on ArcAbility and set up a profile. And like you said, make sure that you spend the time making a good profile so that the clients will, will see the value in your services. Did you have any parting words about ArcAbility? I had one close-up question I wanted to ask, but I wanted to make sure you didn't have anything else you wanted to tell us about ArcAbility. Well, we've been taking a lot of feedback um, from, from users and um, doing our best to uh, improve the, exp the user experience, doing our best to provide uh, some of the functionalities that they want to see. And there are lots of changes that are currently in the works, and there will be a, a new site revamp uh, soon, um, uh, this spring. And uh, that will be able to give people a richer experience, uh, both from the client and, and the contractor end as well. Um, so we'd like people to keep coming back to the site. There will be changes coming. And whatever they want to see, we're all ears. Um, so they shouldn't hesitate to let us know, and we'll try our best to accommodate uh, those needs. But ultimately, it's, it's a portal to them. Um, so it can only work as best as they want it to work uh, for them, and um, we would like to help them make it work um, as effectively as possible. Excellent. Well, Livingstone, I can guarantee you that we will keep our thumb on ArcAbility, and we can we, we look forward to seeing it grow. Now, just, just in closing, I'd just like to ask if you could share, if there's any architects out there, that have that entrepreneurial bug, who maybe want to branch out into something related to architecture, but not necessarily in the field of architecture, what what tips could you give give them? If you're sitting down with me at coffee and we just we're talking about, hey Livingstone, I wanna I wanna I have this idea, I wanna market, I wanna get out there, what what would be your advice to them? Um, feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> The, the greatest handicap is the self-doubt. Um, I, I know I felt it, um, and, and I know others are feeling it. There's, there's always this fear of, well, what if I fail? Or what, will, you know, what do I tell my friends? Uh, you know, what do I tell my family? You, know, you don't want to look like a fool uh, to, to people. Um, but you know, all the greatest men and women who have been on this earth um, have experienced some significant failure um, in, in their lives, and, and we are no exception. Um, so that's that's the most important thing. Just just bite the bullet. Um, yes, you will fall. Um, yes, you will keep stumbling. Um, but hey, you can stand up, brush off the dust, and, and walk again. Um, I've certainly learned a lot um, during this whole process. I, I haven't always made the right decision. Um, but sometimes making a decision is far, far more important than 
not making uh, that, that decision. Um, so that's that's the most important thing. Just just do it, and you learn as you grow. You learn along the way. Um, a lot of people wait to have all the answers available or provided to them before taking the plunge, um, without realizing that the best answers and the best learning experiences come from you know, swimming after the plunge. Um, so um, that those would be my parting words. Uh, if anybody would like anything further, feel free to, to get in touch. I'm more than happy to share more detailed experiences as well as hear from others what challenges they're going through and see how we could all help each other. Excellent. Well, it doesn't get much better than that. That's a very inspiring message to live on, Livingstone. We appreciate it, and thank you for your example. And how should people get a get a hold of you? What's the best way? Twitter. I know you're on Twitter. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? And, um, Archibility at Archibility, or my personal Twitter is Livmuk, uh, L-I-V-M-U-K. Um, you could also reach me at uh, live at archibility.com. Okay, and that's L-I-V at archibility.com, right? Correct. It's okay. much less of a mouthful than Livingstone. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Livingstone. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. If you like this video, please share it by clicking one of the share buttons. And to get updates when I post a new article, video, or podcast, visit businessofarchitecture.com, sign up for our email list, and I'll send you my exclusive ebook, Social Media for Architects.